Welcome to the CMIO Podcast, a show devoted to educating and informing those who are making healthcare easier for others. Whether you're involved with informatics, analytics, or new technologies that make the lives of our practicing clinicians better, this show is for you. My name is Dr. Mark Weissman, a practicing physician and CMIO and the host of CMIO Podcasts. And today I'm excited. I've got a chief nursing informatics officer joining us, Rosemary Ventura from Rochester. And so for those of you who have been tuning in, we we recently interviewed Greg from Rochester, and so this is his counterpart, his right hand. Um, I'm sure he would say the smarter half of the relationship. Um, as most CMIOs know, the CMIOs get it right. So, hello, Rosemary, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Mark. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, thank you for joining us. I, I'm really excited about this because I want to get the other perspectives of informatics to be captured. And the, the, the goal of this podcast is really just to educate and inform other CMIOs, other physician informaticists, those who are thinking of, of moving into this field. And I don't see a lot of information out there about how does a CNIO and a CMIO interact. So I love the fact that we've been able to get Greg's perspective, and I'm really looking forward to yours. Would you mind just telling the audience a little bit about yourself, your journey, and how you got to where you are now? I'm excited to tell this story and share it with your listeners. And so I have actually, my background is in critical care nursing. And the way that I sort of fell into informatics is probably very similar to many of my colleagues. I was at the bedside starting to feel a little burnt out after seven years of critical care. And one day my friend and I decided we were going to go back to school and become adult NPs of all things. And so we enrolled in the program and your first semester, you essentially have to choose an elective. We were given a choice of an elective of theory, nursing theory or informatics. And at that time, you have to think about it. It's not even it's the late 90s. And we didn't know what informatics was, but we were Mm -hmm. like, we don't really want to take theory that kind of sounds boring. And I apologize to all of my nursing colleagues, but we're like, oh, let's try this out. And so we essentially started that semester and we were hooked. We recognized, and I think, and I've said this a million times, the first best decision I've ever made in my life was to become a nurse. And the second one was to go into informatics. And we were fortunate enough to graduate in the second graduating class of master's program in informatics at NYU. And that was back in 2001. And so since then, I've been very fortunate in that I've been able to sort of drive my career and in many directions. Um, so I've been um, able to be an IT director, if you will, of clinical applications. I so I've also served as a director of nursing informatics and was very fortunate um, in my prior role to work at an organization that was quite large, a multi-facility, et cetera, and able to demonstrate to them the need for a CNIO. 
And the reason really was and stemmed from the understanding in nursing and by nursing leadership and and IT leadership that we needed somebody who was sitting at the table with senior leaders to, to really speak up for the needs of nursing and clinicians overall, to be honest with you. And that's where the partnership with the CMIO really comes in. Because at the end of the day, people realize that clinical practice is somewhat supported by technology at this point. And that's not going away. That's only going to grow. It's become a foundation for how our clinicians, our patients, everybody sort of works within the healthcare space now. And so we've been really lucky that HIT has really come along. And we have to have people that are nimble and able to sort of lead organizations in determining what their HIT strategy should be. And so I'm really excited to be a part of the University of Rochester now in partnership with Greg to drive that sort of strategy from a clinical operations perspective. And that's what they lacked before we sort of got here. Essentially, IT was saying, what are we supposed to be working on? They really wanted that clinical partnership. And so I think as he and I sort of develop this partnership over time and strategic plan, we'll be sort of helping them understand what clinicians will need in terms of a tool set for the future. How long have you been at Rochester? You're fairly new there, if my memory serves. <laughs> you have a good memory. I've only been here two months. Yeah, but I've been in informatics for about probably now 15 years in those uh, different roles that I mentioned already. So how does, just so the listeners understand how your role fits into the larger structure, do you report to the CNO? Do you report to the CIO? Who do you report to and interact with? And then who reports to you? So in this current position, or for this current position, I have a direct to the CNE. So the chief nurse executive, as well as the CIO. And so I think that's extremely important when you're talking about large enterprise systems, where this is more of an enterprise position. So you are essentially driving a core strategy for all the hospitals. Because frankly, I think from a sustainability and scalability perspective, um, the technology Set, tends to be better, if you will, and the practice, etc. if we're all using the same tools. So for example, if we're using, and, and this is a touchy subject, I think in some areas where you have one hospital using one EHR, another hospital using another EHR, and they're all within the same network or enterprise, it's, it's difficult. You can do it, but it, it is much more difficult in terms of those interoperabilities and, and maintenance. And so so I think, thankfully, U of R recognized that. So again, this is an enterprise position. And at this point, I have a, a team which has local nursing informaticists who were in place before this position was essentially created. But I think the point being is that it's wonderful for me because they have local knowledge. So they have dedicated resources to some of the facilities. These resources have been sort of those point people for the IT departments and they have really run those programs locally. I think now we're building a team that can work as an enterprise and looking to implement those strategies across the multiple hospitals in one cohesive way. And so what that 
that will look like we're still developing. I think the same can be said for Greg. He does have some associate CMIOs. And so those are the foundations that we're sort of building the program around. So that's interesting because it sounds like similar challenges exist between the, the doctor's worlds and the nurses' worlds here where as CMIOs, we're always like, how do we get this information out? And the nursing side, that has to be just amplified because there's just so many more nurses in the system. And so it sounds like you've got some nursing informaticists out there, but then how do they get it to the bedside? There's so many nurses. Is it just done through, here's a tip sheet and out it goes? Because that's how the oh. doctors do it. <laughs> I, you know what? And I, I wish Greg was on here and I'll, I'll have to repeat this to him so he's not surprised by what I say. That <laughs> tends to not be a great strategy. I mean, you'll get some of them that way. <laughs> but um, it's really around development of a real communications strategy to partner with the implementation of any technology. And so that has to become a core of what I like to call a methodology for managing these projects. And two components that historically, I have to say my physician colleagues are not that great at, but nursing is really good at, is how do we communicate to all the masses? Because we do have a large workforce. And number two, how do we train? And so I think that we can't underestimate or overestimate the how important that really is. And so, for example, when we're doing a project, we start the communication well ahead of time. And so one of the things that I locally have done in, in some of my other roles is, yes, you're going to send out that mass global email. And that's great. It works for certain things. But you got to start thinking about larger pockets of where you can present information as well as local pockets like where on a nursing unit they have huddle perhaps you can be invited to the huddles for the unit multiple huddles depending on what the project's about and start talking about things because one of my mottos and i've learned this just over time is that the last thing you want is for a nurse or a doctor to be signed up for training and they're asking their manager, what is this for? People should be well aware, especially when you're talking about technology projects, it's usually a huge culture change, depending on what it is. But a lot of the time, it does impact the way that they're going to deliver care. And so you want people to have an opportunity to absorb that. And so again, it's multiple communication sources, multiple venues, and then again, driving it all locally, empowering people that sit in your committees and reminding people, some people forget, you're in this meeting because you're actually participating and being asked to play a role. And so what your role may be as a staff nurse or a resident who may be sitting in these advisory councils is to take the information we're giving it to, to you and disseminating it to your colleagues. And so we as administrators sometimes take that for granted that people know that. And so I'm like, no, you have to remember, we have to think differently as leaders. We've been doing this a long time, but we have newer people that are in the healthcare space. Residents are trying to learn and so are nurses. And so they may not automatically think of these things. And that's why you have to go back to foundations and think about what do you, what are the key messages you need to give to these folks so they can then spread the word. You know, all organizations struggle with this communications oh, yeah. piece, and I think the organizations that do it really well have a competitive advantage over those who don't, because they can 
they can implement change. They can yeah. maneuver better just because they can communicate better. So that's it's great that you you get that. You you've got that. Mm -hmm. What what's on your strategy list though for the first, I don't know, let's go three, six months. What do you what do you need to conquer right off the bat here? What's what's on your list? <laughs> You're gonna laugh. I, I said to the my colleagues that I've been there what two months. I said I'm finally able to get around and not get lost. That was like priority gotcha. number one. <laughs> Getting to multiple places to where I needed to be, learning people. And it's kind of, I joke about it, but the underlying piece there is that I had to learn just who the players are. And this is why the partnership with Greg is so great because he has the local cultural knowledge. He knows those people and I have the CNIO administrative knowledge. And so I think between the two of us, it's a really good partnership. But again, I think coming in new and having experience, what I found I need to do is not automatically jump to, oh, I know the answer just because I've done it before. Because there are multiple ways that you can approach things. And obviously, you have to do what's right for the organization that you are now a part of. And I have to learn. And so what I've been doing is a lot of observation, writing things down of what people are giving me in terms of feedback. I've had a lot of meet and greets around what are your challenges with technology? Some people, and it's a lot of education. Some people have no idea what a CNIO is supposed to do. And I'm talking about people who are nurse leaders and that's okay. My job is to educate and to partner and build trusting relationships with them. And so I think it's writing all of this down and then working with my leadership team my CNE, the CMO, around what are the priorities of the short term. So as you just mentioned, the 60 days, or at this point, I'm between 60 and 90. And some of that is what is the appropriate governance structure that we need to have in place? Is the current structure viable and scalable? Is it something that will take us into the future? Or do we need to modify it? And so it's those simple things, but they're, they're critical. They're critical critical to to success. And so if we need to restructure things, um, tear things down or, or add, uh, add some components to the structure, I think is is part of our priority now. And then again, a lot of it is education on my part, as well as Greg's, as well as educating our clinicians, our leaders to understand what our roles really are. Because the U of R was fortunate in that they had a CMIO historically, but they never had a CNIO. And so I think that it is really changing perceptions and gaining people's trust and understanding of what you're there to do. That resonates. A lot of CMIOs also are in that battle of trying to, this is why this is important and getting yeah. senior leaders to get it because the return on investment mm -hmm. isn't one-to-one. -one. It's indirect. You're going to make nurses more efficient, happier, mm -hmm. better retention. Are you guys a magnet hospital or heading towards magnet status? We are magnet. Your magnet, so I, you know that's an important piece of, mm -hmm. of of being magnet. So, so you mentioned governance, and I'm interested. Where do you and Greg interface? Are there committees you both sit on, or that you'll listen in on his committees? He listens in on yours. How does that work? So it's funny because I think I probably 
sit in on more of his stuff at this point um, because again, I think the nursing structure is a little lagging behind where the, the, the physicians are. And, and that's not a bad thing. It's just different. And so we have a number of what we call advisory councils. And Greg is the chair of the Physician Advisory Council, which is pretty robust, I do have to say. And I've been asked to participate. And so it's been a, a good learning experience for me because I'm listening to the clin- what these providers are going through now. And you have a good wealth of knowledge in the room. They're very engaged and they represent a number of different clinical specialties. And so you have the perspective of the ED doc, you have the ambulatory primary practice physicians, as well as anesthesiologists that are working in the larger hospitals. And so they're all talking about one particular problem and how it impacts their workflow, even though they're working in different clinical settings. And so that's been wonderful. From a nursing perspective, we have what, or, or I should say a clinical perspective, because there's also a larger a clinical advisory committee, which is a sister to his committee. And in that committee, at this point, we have some very high level executives that sit there like our CMO, our COO, and we go through a partnership with IT in terms of prioritizing what is the work that IT needs to be working on? Because as you can imagine, as a CMIO, there are constant requests coming in, right? And so I want to redo this, or I want to implement a new application in my department, etc. And so who's setting those priorities? Because they only have a certain set of resources that could be dedicated. So what, again, what is that that organizational priority that we should be um, setting resources towards. And so we sit on the CAC together, he and I. At this point, it is primarily driven through um, the executive leadership as well as executives on the IT side. And Greg and I are listening and learning. And so I think he and I are in many meetings together. Those are just two examples. But back to the point of nursing and my meetings right now, we really have more local and these are great, by the way, local SME meetings for nursing. And so the nursing informaticist will have their work groups, if you will, where the SMEs from the units will come and these are bedside clinical nurses. And that sort of forum is well baked within the organization. I'm trying to develop a similar nursing leadership structure where we do have participation very similar to Greg's pack. And so I think that's something that is important for me and the nursing leadership to put together um, in the short term. And that's what I'm working on now. Greg could participate. I'll, I'll let him sit in and listen. I think it's important for the, the CMIOs to understand as a nursing governance is being built up how that could interface with the CMIO, because there's going to be a lot of initiatives which start to dovetail and overlap. I want to move into a little bit about when there's conflicts. Hypothetically speaking, if the organization says, we want to get code status collected on every one of our patients in the hospital, and the surgeons say, you know, that's not really something that we want to do. The nurses can do that. Let's shift that work to the nurses. So that creates some interesting tension and conflict. How, hypothetically, how's that going to work out between you and Greg? 
it's funny and this is probably one of the biggest areas where he and I and our partnership are going to have to be very strong and we need to be professionally respectful of 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 who we're representing from a professional um, perspective, right? And I think this happens all the time. And nurses feel like they're constantly getting dumped on by the doctors and the doctors feel they're overwhelmed with all this administrative stuff and they're not practicing as physicians. I didn't go to medical school for this stuff. Um, And so I think that the way that I like to approach things is number one, part of what can be challenging, especially in New York State, New York State, it's very restrictive to what nurses can autonomously do. Um, gathering information is different, right? Meaning from an ordering perspective, we're very restricted. Gathering information is different. And in this, per- in to go back to your example, we would need to approach it around who and when is it the best time to get that information from a patient perspective and from an efficiency perspective. And so I think we need to take the emotion out of some of these conversations and get down to, does it make sense to have somebody, because you're saying that the nurse has to do it, when the nurse is not essentially perhaps interfacing with the patient at the right time, do you just need to interject her in a spot where now you're losing efficiency for the nurse? Um, And I think we need to think about it more operationally and really have a crucial conversation around who does then have that ownership. Because one of the things that really makes me crazy is that you can say someone has to do it and you never assign an owner and then things really never get done and you're creating a conflict for the staff, if you will. If you as administrators cannot drive together a solution where clearly identification of a process is made. Um, So again, it's not easy and sometimes it is nursing because quite frankly, we interact a lot with the patients and there are many, many times where CNOs will come to me and say, Rosemary, don't you dare let them happen don't you dare let them do that to nurses and I'm like oh my goodness and this is where my job really does become difficult because sometimes there are technical challenges sometimes there is just a reality of the nurse is the right person we may not want to do this we may not want to add something else to our plate but again making the doctor who's not always there do something that we can just ask the patient We have to stop ourselves and and get a reality check to say we can do this. And again, and really the only way I've been successful in those times is because of my relationship with the CNOs to really bring them along to be like, this is something we do own and we need to do as much as they may grumble. Right. So it's the people skills. That's the the harder part here. The technical part for most of us, we get, we can do that Mm -hmm. part. The challenges is always with the people skills. So tell us a little bit about people skills that you look for when you're looking at your nurse informaticist that you're looking to culture and bring along. Because I bet you it's the same people skills that CMIOs need to be looking at at future physician leaders. So tell us about that. Absolutely. It's a critical role. They represent what you're trying to do, right? So when I have informaticists, um, I'm looking for someone who can be engaging. 
someone who is a people person is the best way I can phrase it, but someone who can listen and analyze um, and really partner. And, and I know you know this because you're CMIO, someone who can really speak the clinical operations um, way to an IT person and vice versa, because I think that skill is so important where people understand that you're not just saying you can't do something you're always looking for options but at the end of the day it may be that those options are limited and it could be just one way and you need to have somebody who can deliver a message who's not just dropping a hammer on someone to say this is how this is going to happen but someone who can really be eloquent in the messaging I think is super important someone who also follows up is extremely important to me because a lot of the times we hear that our end users have made a request. As an example, it goes in a black hole. That makes people insane. And that also sort of you lose trust with them. And so I'm very much of a proponent that you have to follow up and close the loop. The other thing that I really look for is that someone is really eager to learn. Because quite frankly, we've practiced nursing or we've been providers, but we haven't done it in a while. And so what makes me very interested in an informaticist is that although you may be building something or you may be diagramming a workflow, you need to be able to go out there and do recent shadowing and stop assuming that we know what's happening because we haven't been in their shoes for a long time. And these are bedside clinicians I'm referring to. And so someone who is willing to get off of their, you know, out of their desk and go, and we can some the many IT offices, maybe as you know, are off site. You need to go back to the hospital. You need to go back into that OR or back onto that floor and really see what it looks like today um, in terms of clinical practice. And then go back to your IT folks and, and, and sort of talk to what a solution can be in terms of a future state workflow. So I'm looking for people that can do that and, and are good at it. And then also innovators. Very recently, I was having a conversation with a physician who leads the innovation lab here. And he said, Rosemary, and I learned something being a CNIO for so many years. He finally, like it dawned on me, I had like a... Uh, what do you call that light bulb moment? And he goes, Rosemary, you need innovators. You need nurses who are practicing or who have ideas that they can bring to you. And he was spot on because even me and I have to recognize my strengths and weaknesses. That's not really my strength anymore, like the innovation piece. But that I should, as a leader, be looking for those people because they're going to help us drive new solutions. And so I think that that is something that I'm starting to really think about and giving more weight to, which is someone who's creative um, because I, it's just not my strength. So to have a rounded team, I think that can be a blend of these would be ph phenomenal. I think that's good advice for the physician leaders who might be tuning in here about rounding out your team yeah. if you're not particularly innovative to pull some innovators onto your team who will push and challenge you in unusual yeah. directions and it's not that every idea goes into production yeah. but those things should be considered or how how do we need to get there in 
two to three years if we can't do it yeah. today. Exactly. So every chief nursing informatics officer I've ever spoken to is working on nursing optimization in some way, shape, or form. And whether that's getting the vital signs machines to integrate or the pumps to integrate with the EMRs or reducing the documentation burden or getting the nurse-to-nurse -nurse or nurse-to-provider inter interface, the communications better, what, what drives you? What's your optimization piece that, that you're excited about? You know what's funny? You probably named the top five things that I'm working on under optimization. It's like that never changes from organization to organization. It's almost exactly the same, which is so interesting to me coming from one place to another. And I've worked in multiple places, but I maybe naively thought I was walking in here because this particular organization... At U of R, like the majority of their hospitals are on one EHR. I was like, oh goodness. So they must have their act together around all the flow sheets talk to each other. If you're going from the ED into the inpatient world, all that data just magically flows. Goodness, was I wrong. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, here we go again. Because what I uh, recognized here is that perhaps because they have had the same platform, I took for granted that they were talking to each other huge sort of naive rookie mistake and luckily I caught myself early because what's happened and, and back to governance and I think this is super important for for people listening is that governance should look at how to eliminate silos because what's happened as a as an example let's say ED to inpatient the ED had their own tool right within the EHR. So they just built essentially around their own tool and didn't quite do a great job interacting with the inpatient folks. And so all of a sudden, a vital sign in the ED doesn't match a vital sign on the inpatient side, so they don't flow. Um, part of optimization is going back to some of those foundations because what we found is that by no sort of fault of anyone, we have better tools now that are available to us because the EHR vendors have evolved and understood that we needed to address some of the current challenges. And so they've come out with different modules that have made it easier for information to flow from like, let's say an ED setting into an inpatient setting. And we want that. But essentially what it means is we have to redo stuff. And I think that's going to be a large part of what I'm doing in terms of optimization around the EHR. And then it's really around optimization of clinical practice outside the EHR. Because part of what I'm really trying to drive here is that traditionally the informatics role at least at this organization has truly be on, has truly only been centered on the EHR and the world of HIT is so much bigger optimization to me also means items like device integration so you sort of mentioned that before which was why do we still have inefficiencies where nurses are transcribing or our technicians are transcribing vital signs from a monitor it's worth to put the investment into these devices because for the workforce, you now have real-time information. 
And you need those sorts of foundations because then you can build real-time decision support around some of this. We've been challenged, I think, with some of that because it can take a tech an hour just to do morning vital signs. That's just one example that we're looking at in terms of the realm of device integration. But the other piece to that is making sure that we have a true foundation for everyone. And by that, I mean, meaning a standard. And so regardless of whether you're a nurse or a provider that's working in one hospital on one unit, um, the nurse or provider at another hospital 50 miles away is using the same tool set when it comes to technology. Mm-hmm. And again, building that enterprise foundation, because we're not there yet. And so I think some of our hospitals are ahead of others, and we really want to level set and drive those efficiencies everywhere. And then finally, in terms of optimization, one of the areas that is very, very near and dear to my heart is clinical mobility. I think that it's definitely an area for growth and an area for dissatisfaction for many of our clinicians today because again, they're not sitting in front of these desktop computers, in front of these wows, et cetera. We can't drive real decision support because everyone's mobile. And so really building that clinical communications strategy, I think is is very important for Greg and I. And, and it's not easy. I was saying that in full transparency to the listeners, this is a lot of work. It involves a lot of infrastructure. It involves a lot of, it can be costly. It involves managing devices, which traditionally have been very challenging, but it can be done. And you have now built a platform, which is can take you into the future for our clinicians that really brings an an experience to them that matches their personal lives, right? We can't imagine not having a personal cell phone. It's like, so imagine now you're working in a hospital and you can have that same sort of experience, um, I think is very valuable. And again, it's just another tool through the evolution of where HIT is now. And so those are sort of my key priorities that I've bucketed under optimization. I think those are amazing priorities. If I was king and could wave a magic wand, I would, the government paid so much money for these EHRs to get installed. I'd love to see them do another initiative for vital signs integration Mm. across the country in every clinic and every hospital because no one gets job satisfaction from entering vitals from the napkin into the EHR. Seriously, right? that would be that would be amazing. Now I also get to pick on my my case manager colleagues just for a second because I'm going to accuse them of of extreme waste because you know that the social history is captured by the triage nurse or someone in the emergency department. Then the inpatient nurse will collect it. Then the inpatient case manager will collect it. We'll get it again when the uh, patient goes to the clinic or and then the outpatient case manager will pick it up and do the exact same questions for social history five times, none of which is visible to the other ones. And that's just, I mean, I, I make fun of the case manager, it's not their fault, it's us, <laughs> you and I, we, we could fix this, we need yeah. to, it's those silos that you were talking yeah. about. So uh, one last question for you if I could, and that's on analytics. I'm not very familiar with nursing analytics. I'm all, I'm, I understand the, the provider side and all the initiatives we're doing, What's interesting or happening around nursing analytics? 
So thank you for reminding me because at the beginning of our discussion, I mentioned that I was meeting with all these nurse leaders and, and clinical nurses. And one of the areas that they felt was truly behind was their ability for good data. And so everybody's like, I need data, I need data. And essentially, I think we have to ask ourselves, what does that mean? I'm sure they're receiving a million reports, which could be problem number one. (laughs) But what is it that you're really asking for? I think it's our job to ask that question. So what do you mean by you need data? I'm not 100% sure that that they can just articulate that off the top of their heads and maybe they can but they haven't been able to get that and so i think as an organization we're very young even with our um with the physicians like they know what they want and what they need but they we haven't been able to build the right tools for them yet and we are certainly um it's a high priority for the organization building our data warehouse etc and so your question can be answered in that we don't have real nursing analytics yet but it is on my my list it's not on the 90 day i'll tell you that much <laughs> but i think it's definitely on the the one year plan because it's so important even to build some operational reports that nursing needs um and they also have a humongous need from a quality perspective because as you can imagine we all have metrics that we have to report out to external agencies etc and right now it pains me to say that some of that stuff is still manual so you can't get to sort of that analytics when some of your foundation's not there right it, it goes back to uh-huh. the foundation for nursing informatics which is just data information knowledge wisdom so i think right now we're sort of in between that data and information phase building that analytics platform but quite frankly one of the things that the cne when she first interviewed me said this has to be something that we work on because it's truly We cannot be driving a nursing strategic plan if we don't have the right analytics. And she made very clear that it's not data, it's analytics. And so I think we are taking a hard look at that. And I've been, and I'm just fortunate in that I've been in part of other organizations that have gotten there. And so really helping to bring my knowledge or hoping to bring my knowledge to this organization so we can get there too. It's fantastic that you have a CNE that has that vision and understands the power of data. Personally, I would so much rather deal with an end user that says, I'm not getting the data that I need than the one that says, I don't care about your data. Those are two very different problems to tackle. Yes. Uh, so, and then building that infrastructure so that the the right data, that data literacy, so that the end user knows yeah. what to ask for. Yes. Is so important mm-hmm. to build up in the organization, and of course, a challenge across every industry and every organization. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's always something that we will be working on. Yep. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. This yeah. has been phenomenal. I really appreciate your your insights here. If people wanted to follow you, are you on LinkedIn? How do how would people get in touch with you if they wanted to ask a question? I'm on Twitter, uh, okay. and I am on LinkedIn. Reach out to or reach out to me if people have suggestions, etc. And happy to share what I've learned. 
Appreciate that. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to CMIO Podcast. I've been your host, Mark Weissman, and you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at cmiopodcast at gmail.com or go to the website, cmiopodcast.com. You can send me your ideas for shows, guests you'd like to hear from, general feedback, or just to connect. And I look forward to bringing you our next episode.